I believe that the Lord is in our midst. Amen. And as we address today's subject, grow up, it is because of what we shared in the last month, in the month of June. In the month of June, we shared some messages that border on evangelism and winning souls. The crux of this message, today's message and next week's message is all about preparing us to be responsible enough to be used by God or for that matter to be co-laborers with God such that even if you breathe, God can use your breath to heal. Hallelujah. If you pass somewhere like Peter, your shadow can be used by God as a tool to heal. Amen. Are you there? Yes. All I'm saying is that God wants our availability but you may not be available when you have not grown up you'll find out very soon hallelujah amen so this morning for those who are here for the first time you are welcome to international prayer resort ministries we believe that god will instruct us in his word and will also minister to us by his spirit we will never be the same again say amen amen somebody say grow up grow up that is a message for today grow up can you turn your bible with me to first corinthians chapter 13. Let's read the verse 11. Apostle Paul had spoken about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a very popular chapter in the Bible that many people use when they are talking about love. But my emphasis is on his conclusion in the verse 11. In verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Then he said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Somebody say, I'm into the reading of God's word. It's very beautiful to see the characteristics of a child clearly spelled out in this verse of scripture. And mind you, the Greek word that has been translated child here, we have mentioned it in this house before, is nepios. The phonetic is N-A-Y-P-E-E-O-S. Nepios. Maybe let's pronounce that way. Nepios. Spelled N-E-P-I-O-S. Nepios. That's a Greek word which means an infant. Somebody say an infant. One who feeds on milk. A toddler. One who is not yet mature. One who still needs tutelage. Who needs to be guarded and guided. One who needs to be taken care of by a guardian. One who cannot talk right. I hope you know how children talk when they are growing up. If they want to say water, they can do something like that. But if you are acquainted with the child, you know that he means water. Is that not so? One who cannot walk right because sometimes in attempting to walk, he will get up and then fall. He may have to crawl sometimes even on his stomach. Some crawl with their buttocks. And then gradually they grow up. We will identify very soon from scripture that in the natural growth may be automatic. Even that one is not automatic but it may be automatic so long as the child is properly fed, taken care of year after year you see that the child grows from you know an infant to age one Yesterday, a child that has been here before, for instance, was celebrating a one-year birthday. Is that right? When you see her, you may think she's even an, a three-year-old child. And then the child goes to two, three, before the child becomes an adult. That's what Paul meant by when I became a man. But he gives us a picture. He says, when I was a child, when I was in the pews, all of us born as Technon. The Greek word for a child of God is technon. Okay? We are all born as technon of God. Children of God. But the fact that we are all technon that's T-E-K-N-O-N The fact that we are all technon of God does not mean that we have all matured automatically. 
Some are infants, whilst others are adults. And here Paul is talking about an infant, an appeals, one who cannot talk right, who needs guidance. He said, when I was a child, I spoke. That's the first characteristic. The, the first sign you see about a child is that the child cannot talk right. I'll give an example when we are concluding this message about how you can know whether somebody is mature or not in terms of speech. Is that okay? In case I forget, just remind me that I'll give an example. It's a scripture we can use to find out whether we have matured or not. I'll just use one example. But the first thing you see about an appeal as a child is that he does not talk right. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I didn't speak as an adult. Then he said, I understood as a child. That's the second thing. His understanding or her understanding is limited. When it comes to being an appeal as a child, one who feeds on milk, all he understands about life is give me, give me my food, my bread, my butter, he he butter my bread, he sugar my cocoa. Then he even calls it so so wonders. As far as he is concerned, buttering his bread and sugaring his cocoa is a wonder. And mind you, it is legitimate wonder because that's a child. I hope you get me. I said what? It's a legitimate wonder. So so wonders, Jesus they do. But as you grow, you discover that. They that go to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. The Bible says, they see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. His wonders are not in the buttering of bread and in the sugaring of cocoa. Are you following me? But for a child, that is a wonder. For me to get bread to eat and get my cocoa to be sugared, that is a wonder. And it's okay. He does not think about anybody else. All he thinks or she thinks is about himself, about herself. What I will eat and at best what his or her dog will also eat. Then the third thing we see about a child is that when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. Then number, one, number three is what? I thought as a child. The thinking of a child is limited. But it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he or he is. Which one is which? We are used to the King James language, so sometimes we confuse the two. So is he. All right. Hallelujah. The way one talks the way one understands and the way one thinks can determine whether the person is a child or an adult I'm going to show you another scripture that tells us why God would want us to grow up that's the message grow up Galatians chapter 4 let me read verses 1 and 2 Galatians 1 verses uh, 4 rather chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 Apostle Paul, the same Apostle Paul writing here says, now I say that the heir H-E-I-R as long as he is a child and the Greek word here is nepios once again as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave I like the New King James Version. The King James says, does not differ from a servant. But the Greek word is slave. Then he said, though he is master of all. The King James says, though he is lord of all. Verse 2 says, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Somebody say amen. The heir, who is an heir? One who is an inheritor one who is a possessor in fact the Greek word translated in this verse also means an inheritor or a possessor I hope you remember that scripture Bible says that upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall do what? possess their possessions we have possessions we are to possess but the heir, the inheritor the one who is to possess as long as he is in the pews 
as long as he is an infant still feeding on milk as long as he or she hasn't grown up yet as long as he or she cannot talk right yet as long as he or she does not understand the purposes of God yet the things about the kingdom of God yet as long as he or she cannot think right yet the Bible says he or she is not different from a slave who is a slave if I may ask what are some of the major characteristics of a slave? A slave doesn't have rights. A slave doesn't have privileges. A slave doesn't determine when he or she will sleep. You are just giving what is due you or sometimes even what is not due you and you take it aside. You, have, you don't have any say. A slave is in bondage to servitude. A slave can just be treated anyhow. Those of us who are acquainted with the slave trade in West Africa, you have seen some of the pictures before where slaves were made naked and put in chains. A slave is not in charge. He is always in chains. And in life, you are either in charge or in chains. So when he says, as long as he's a child, he's not different from a slave. He's saying that though he is master of all, though he is the lord of all, so long as the person remains a child, the heir remains a child, he can be in subjection to slavery and servitude and in chains. The things that those outside of Christ suffer, that child can also suffer. Not because he's not a child of God, but because as long as he is a child, as long as he or she hasn't grown up yet, he's not different from a slave. Any challenger? I, I don't know whether you challenge God's word. Maybe your, your, your mentality is different. I mean, I'm a child, but I'm, I mean, okay, have you seen, um, let's say, a king of a community, a king of a town, a king of a village, who owns the throne? Who is the, you know, the, 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 the right, who has the right to the throne? And as a child, as young as, let's say, six months, have you seen that child taking and put six months child put on the palanquin and then people, you know, hailing that six month child before? Is there anything like that? You ever have seen anything? At least who allow the child to grow to about, let's say, six, seven, eight. Then they can do that because it has happened before. But as long as he's an infant, here we are referring to an infant who is still feeding on milk or breastfeeding. One who cannot talk right yet. One who cannot think right or secondly who cannot understand the things of God yet or who has not understood the things of God yet who cannot think right yet the Bible says he is not different from a slave have you seen a father who owns an empire taking his powerful vehicle I don't know which vehicle is now powerful maybe a private jet and let's hand over to a six month old child that take it and fly around after all you are an heir to my inheritance have you seen anything like that before? In other words, that child will be under guardians and stewards. The King James says he's under tutors and governors. There are people who will govern such a child, though he is master of all. He is the inheritor of all. He is the possessor of all. But as long as he is a child, as long as he is still an infant, he is not different from a slave. Do you know what God is telling us? Number one, from this Galatians 4, verse 1, it means that growth in Christ is not automatic. Can I say that again? Growth in Christ is not what? Automatic. You don't grow automatically just because you are born as a technon. And I said the Greek word technon means a child of God, the very child of God born with his nature, born with his life. The fact that you are a technon of God, born as a child of God doesn't mean that you will grow automatically. You've got to apply yourself to the principles of growth. The things that make us grow, you've got to cultivate that in your lifestyle. Nobody's going to do it for you. As long as it's not the same as if. If he has said, if he is a child, that would mean that on condition that he grows, things will change. But there's no condition here. The condition depends on you. You must grow and then you come out of slavery. Tell you neighbor, growth is not automatic. In Christ Jesus, there is nothing like 
I came before him. There's nothing like we are the pioneers. But this one, he just got born again. Go and ask Apostle Paul. I always wonder the audacity by which Apostle Paul could look at Peter the Apostle. Remember, Apostle Paul was not Apostle Paul when Jesus walked the earth with his disciples for three and a half years or so. He was then a Pharisee, a doctor of the law, doing his own thing. And when the church was even birthed, he took upon himself to persecute the church and even killed or supervised the killing of Stephen. And he was injurious to the church. But for some strange reason, this man had an encounter on the way to Damascus and got born again. Ideally, somebody would have said that, but he just got born again. Remember, when even Paul wanted to join himself to the apostles and disciples, they said, no, 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 no. This one is the one who, who was supervising the killing of the disciples, so he's not part of us. Then Barnabas convinced the people that no, 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 he is not converted, he is this, he is that, and he allowed Apostle Paul to associate with them. But do you know, to tell you that growth is not automatic, there was a time Peter was eating with some Jews, no Gentiles rather, and then Apostle Paul happened to be around. Then Peter saw some Jews coming and the man, in spite of the fact that God had taught him that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. His prejudice, the prejudice by which he was brought up as a fisherman, a typical Jew, could not allow him to associate with Gentiles. But whilst Jews were not around, he was okay. He was eating with them. But when he saw the Jews coming, he just disassociated with, from the Gentiles. And Paul saw it and said, what? What kind of hypocrisy is this? And the Bible says, Apostle Paul rebuked Peter publicly. I'm telling you. Of course, the Bible says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. So, by what audacity that I mean that I mean by what audacity uh, did Apostle Paul? I mean, what kind of audacity did he have for him to be able to confront Peter publicly that what you're doing is wrong? Am I trying to say that by by that means you can get up and start rebuking, let's say, an elder, a pastor here? No. What I'm trying to say is that growth is not automatic. The man, Apostle Paul, understood the things of God at a deeper level, even than Apostle Peter. Though Peter had been with Christ for long. To the extent that when Peter was writing in his epistles, he actually made reference to Apostle Paul's writings as epistle. He actually said that, you know, he actually spoke about, he said, our beloved brother Paul, whose writings are so deep, and I'm paraphrasing, who has, whose writings are so deep that those who are on land get confused and they use it to their own head, just as they do the other scriptures. In other words, Peter endorsed Paul's writings as scriptures. Whilst they were all alive. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know when your writings will be endorsed as scripture. But he, he saw the authority by which the man, he said there are some things that is deeper, he said that they are so deep that it's difficult for you to understand. So, if you're going to go by Mibahache, Mibajanoa, I came before Paul, then you would have said that Peter should have understood some things bigger and deeper than Paul. But in Christ, it's not like that. Hallelujah. God can allow somebody who got born again today to be accessible or give him access to some deep things by virtue of the person's quest for knowledge, for relationship, for intimacy with God. The person can outgrow every one of us and be put at the top there. Tell your neighbor, grow up. Grow up. Growth is not automatic. Don't say that, oh, but we're here. Where was this one? Where did he come? When did, when were, where was he? There is nothing like that in Christ Jesus. We don't compete in Christ. In fact, with one another, we compete with ourselves. In other words, based on the, your calling, your ability, your capacity, what God has deposited in you, God will measure you by yourself. So, on the day of judgment, he will not say, why didn't you do it like Brother Peter or Brother John Ashabo? No. He will say, why didn't you do it like the way you were equipped and wired to do? He will compare with you with yourself, not with another person. What God has put in you is what he will measure you with and measure you by. Are you following, people of God? Yes, Lord. 
Growth is not automatic as long as. So somebody can be in Christ and can stay 30 years and still be in the pews. Because as long as he or she is in the pews, he is not different from a slave. He has chosen not to grow. He doesn't know the principles of growth. I remember in Sunday school, once again, we said what? Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. If, if. Someone say if. In other words, it's not like you just grow automatically. If you want to grow, it's, it's a personal quest. Some people don't want to grow. They still want to be spoon-fed. They still want somebody to do the gymnastics for them. Fast for them. Pray for them. Do the all night for them. Do There comes a time where you face some battles. I'm telling you, nobody will be there for you. You must face that storm yourself. The reason why God wants us to grow up is that there are some responsibilities he cannot entrust into our care until we grow up. Just like a father will not give his Mercedes-Benz key to a toddler, an infant, a one-month-old child that go and drive this vehicle, God won't do it either. There are some things he wants to give us. After one year, ten months of church, God wants you and me to grow up. Are you there? Hallelujah. I said after one year, 10 months of church as international prayer resort ministries, God wants us to grow up because some of us are going to be raised as, you know, pioneers of different moves as extension of what we are doing here. But until you grow up, God cannot entrust you without responsibility. You will mess up. Like Apostle Paul, he says that because of the abundance of visions and revelations, in order not for me to be puffed up, in order not for me to become proud, there was giving me a thorn in my flesh to buffet me. What does it mean to buffet? To give blows. To give blows. You, are, you, you feel like you are on top. Then that thing just hits you. It's like hitting you below the belt. That is when you say, ouch. God knows how to hit us below the belt so that we always say, yes, Lord. Because many times we feel like we are on top of the world. We feel like we can fly. Yes, we can fly. Somebody said, I believe I can fly. We can fly. But when you want to do it all by yourself, God will say, hey, if I don't check this person, he's going to be puffed up with this knowledge, with this revelation. When God gives you visions and revelations and he does not put in check, I mean in place, the checks and control, you can, you can misbehave with experiences. You can misbehave with your encounters. So, he brings in something that will serve as a check. And in Paul's case, it was a thorn in his flesh. We are not told directly what a thorn is, but there was a thorn anyway. Are you there? There are speculations by theologians about as to what the thorn was. We are not going into that. But all we know is that there was a messenger of Satan. Paul calls that thorn in his flesh a messenger of Satan. Take note, not a messenger of God. Hmm. It's in the Bible. He said there was a gift that was giving me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to give me blows. I can't imagine this. God giving a messenger of Satan to his own apostle. That's God for you. Just to put the man in check so that he doesn't become proud because pride is not a sign of growth. It's a sign of immaturity. Are you there? Pride, pride is not a sign of growth where you believe that you are on top of the game. You are the one in all. You are the one to be worshipped. If you don't take care, you will come to the place like Lucifer who wanted to be worshipped. So God can sometimes allow tongues in our flesh not to, not to hurt us but to keep us in check so we can stay humble. Bible says he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Alright. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's give another picture. So we have identified that growth is not automatic. Let's identify another feature of growth. Ephesians 4. Let me quickly read from verse 11, but my emphasis is verse 14. 
Stephen talks about the fivefold ministry gifts that were given to the church, and he, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Twelve for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Please take note. This is what we emphasized last month, June, for the work of ministry. The work of evangelism is not just the work of those who are called as evangelists it is the work of every believer the saints say i'm a saint don't wait till you go to heaven before you call yourself a saint you are a saint and the fivefold ministry gifts have been given the apostles prophets the evangelists pastors and teachers have been given to equip the saints not just equipping for equipping sake, but for the work of the ministry so that they will go out there because your world may not be my world when you are in your office, you are in charge there. I don't have access to that office. But that's your world. You can be a witness there. Hallelujah. You can personalize the gospel and be a witness there. And reach out to somebody. Save a soul over there. Better than I will be able to do. So what we do here is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Number one. Number two is what? Then he said, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yesterday, we had an experience here, for instance. We use one scripture that says that when you come together, some, I mean, one person has a psalm, another person a doctrine, another person um, a revelation, another person a tongue, another person an interpretation. Let all things be done unto the, I mean, unto edifying. And we practice that. I'm telling you, it was wonderful. Some were prophesying. Some were giving word of knowledge. Some were, you understand? It was, that's how I believe our Saturday prayer breakfast meetings are supposed to be and for your information it's not for just a few of us it's a church meeting glory be to god a day will come where it will be you know 12 hours can a minister of god stand for 12 hours and minister all by himself it must be all of us ministering a day will come from 12 midnight to 12 noon i prophesy in the name of jesus christ that is what we mean by saturday prayer breakfast where we gather together we will not be sitting like we are sitting like church this one is so formal we come together we sit in a circle we stand in a circle we stand in a close connection hold hands together you minister to me i minister to you for 12 hours every weekend we will grow up we'll be edified together to be edi to edify means to build up and it shall come to pass. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not just the minister doing it from the pulpit alone, but there's a place for your input. And I love it. Many people brought in many things that I didn't know. It tells you that no one knows it all. It was revelation here, word of knowledge here. Oh, I love. It. Go back to the video. It's on Facebook. You will love it. And you miss it anyway when you, I mean, because you didn't come yesterday. Somebody's looking at my face. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let me go on. Verse 12 says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till, till, so all these things are done, till we all come to the unity of the faith. One day I'll teach on that in detail. Because unity of faith is not the same as ecumenism. Ecumenism is where you put various religions together. You bring in, you know, other religions and say that we are united. That's not the unity God is talking about. Are you there? That's ecumenism. The unity of faith here has to do with where we have all grown to the same level of faith. The same height of faith. Because some have weak faith, some have strong faith. But he wants us all to be equipped where we are all exercising strong faith like Mo, uh, what's the name Abraham Bible says that he did not look at his body that was dead nor the deadness of Sarah's womb but he was great in faith he was strong in faith giving glory to God and considering that he who you know has promised he was also able to perform his promise he was strong in faith not many of us are strong in faith many of us cower in when we face storms instead of using the storm as a, as a chariot to ride higher, we, we allow the storm to drown us. But we are being equipped till we all come to the unity of the faith. The same level of faith. Remember in Romans, is it Romans chapter chapter 
12, I think, verse 6. He says that having then gifts differing according to the to the, the gifts that have been given to you, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. If you're operating the prophetic gift, for instance, it is according to the proportion of your faith. I'm talking about a simple gift of prophecy where you speak for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you have not built your faith, you cannot operate the gift of prophecy at a certain level. No matter how you try it, it will be according to your measure of faith. But when we have come to the unity of faith, I prophesy to you, you prophesy to me, and it is iron sharpens iron. I pray IPR ministries will get there in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That we will grow up. Because it's not all about me ministering or the minister of God ministering from here. I need ministry from you as well. That's how the whole body functions. Edifying one another. Building one another up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to where my emphasis is. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's deep. Another message one day, not today. The word knowledge here is epignosis. The exact, complete, full, accurate knowledge of the Son of God. Some of us don't have that one. We have partial knowledge of the Son of God. We don't know who Jesus is. And if you don't know who Jesus is, probably last Sunday's message, you may not know who you are. Because we trace our identity in Him. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. You ought to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You ought to know Jesus. The exact complete knowledge for the people who do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. Doing exploits is not based on might and power. Getting some documents and putting them together and having ideas to implement. No. It's about a personal knowledge of God. You have had an encounter with God. You just know that this God is able to save to the uttermost. You know it. Paul said, I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Second Timothy 1.12. I know. Come to that place. Hallelujah. But let me go to where I'm going. Then he said to a perfect man. That's another big subject. The church is referred to as a man. Take note. Sometimes we say the body of Christ. Then we say she. But the head cannot be a man and the body a female. I hope you know that. It's only when it is referred to as a bride. Then we say that, okay, married to the, the bridegroom. But perfect man means that the body and the head are one. To a perfect, complete, mature man. The word perfect here has to do with maturity. God is equipping us to the place of maturity. That's why he's telling us this morning, grow up. Because growth is not automatic. But let me go there. Then he said, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a very big subject we can use three months to exhaust. Where you are operating in the fullness of Christ. I like Paul the Apostle. He said to the Roman church, he said that I don't have any place to go again. I've gone everywhere. Having no more place to go. I want to come to you and I believe that when I come, I shall come with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. The man knew what he was carrying. He knew that he carried the fullness of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He knew it. What about you? What about me? This is my emphasis, verse 14. That, in other words, we are being equipped so that we should no longer be nepio. This plural, nepios, is the singular. N-E-P-I-O-I. That is plural for the Greek word N-E-P-I-O-S. And it's the same Greek word, an infant. That we should no longer be nepio, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. What does that mean? That we should no longer, the King James says that we should henceforth be no, we should, we should henceforth be, how did the King James put it? We should henceforth, the, the King James used the word henceforth, but we should henceforth, tell me, we should be no more, that henceforth we should be no, is it henceforth that we should be no more children? Is it henceforth there? Yes. Henceforth that we should be no we more children. No more. That we should, we should be no longer children. Meaning that growth first we say growth is what? Not automatic. Here, what does it mean? It means that growth is 
my responsibility and your responsibility. Are you there? Yes. If Lord. somebody said from now on, don't be a child, hasn't the person given you a responsibility? It means that you, it is your responsibility to ensure that you don't remain an abuse, an infant. You don't talk right. You don't understand the things of God and you don't think right. He says, henceforth, that we should be no longer nephews, feed on milk, infants. God wants us to grow. He wants you and me to grow up. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. I said that. I'll give an example. I've remembered. One of the characteristics we saw about a child in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 was the child doesn't talk right. Is that right? He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I wish that I can have a child who can come and share his understanding and you get to know the understanding of children. But of course, when it comes to faith, he says that if, if you know, we should behave like children because they have trust, utmost trust. A child knows that if he throws himself off a high building, the father will, you know, grab him or her. That's trust. That's childlike faith. But it's different from immaturity. That doesn't mean the child is mature. It just tells you that the, the faith has not been debated. He has not gone through storms where he's questioning whether God lives. Has God even exists? Why am I going through this trouble? No, the child just knows that my father exists. He will help me. It's different from immaturity where the child can't talk right. Can't understand deep things and can't think right. That's different. I'm going to give an example and then you appreciate what God meant by growth. At least if there is nothing we can identify about a child, it's about the talking because in this house we have learned that our tongue is the steering wheel of our life. Say my tongue, my tongue is the steering wheel, is the steering wheel of, my life. of my life. So I know a day will come we can dwell on the understanding as well as the thoughts but today I'm dwelling on the speech. There's a scripture, for instance, Paul warned in the King James, puts it better. The King James says that, he was telling Timothy, he says that, charge them who oppose themselves. In the New King James, he says, oppose one another. But if you look at the Greek context, Paul was saying that, you see, to oppose yourself means that you use words to build your life and then you use words to destroy your life. That's opposing yourself. And many of us oppose ourselves. We are still nepios because we don't know that our speech affects us invariably. You may think that it's just a careless word. I don't think that there's a man of God who told his story. I don't know what had happened. But he said something had happened. And he didn't give the story. But he said something happened. And out of frustration, he kept on saying, I don't think that I don't think that I, I would rather die than go. I would rather, you know, he kept on saying, and this is a mature believer talking all those things. Then, whilst he was talking, he was even kneeling down by his chair, praying and complaining instead of talking faith. Then, whilst talking, I would rather die than I don't think, you know, when we're under pressure, what is in us is what will come out. That is why the word of Christ must dwell in us richly. Whilst he was talking that way, all of a sudden he saw his spirit exit his body. So he saw his body by the chair and he heard himself still complaining. I would rather die than, I don't think that. Then all of a sudden, his spirit started descending. It was just going down. Shoom, 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 shoom. Then all of a sudden he saw that it was a tunnel, dark tunnel. And he was just going, going. And then heat and fire started coming from under. Then his spirit now said, but this is hell. He said, when he said, this is hell, then his spirit, no, his spirit stood. I mean, stopped. He didn't go down further. Then he now said, but I'm born again. It was when he said, but I'm born again, then his spirit. You see how confession can do. His spirit started running up from the tunnel there. Shum, 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 and then entered his body. The moment he entered his body, he said, <laughs> and as I'm talking to you, if there is anybody who knows the language of faith and talks the language of faith without compromise, it is this man of God I'm referring to. Are you there? Amen. By that experience, he has learned that no matter what he goes through, he will not use this tongue to oppose himself. We are just dwelling on the speech aspect of a child. Okay. 
Psalm 84 verse 11. I'm just going to do an experiment to tell you that whether we are children, this is just an example, whether we are children or we are adults. This is one typical example, Psalm 84 verse 11. Who can read it for us? Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 84 verse 11. Yes. For the Lord God is a son. The Lord God is a son. And shield. And shield. The Lord will give grace. Please take note of the tenses. The Lord will give grace. And glory. And glory. No good thing will he withhold. No good thing will he withhold. From those who walk uprightly. From those who walk uprightly. Somebody say amen. Isn't that a powerful scripture? Very, very powerful. Hmm. You see, I'm going to draw a distinction between a child and an adult. In Christ Jesus, please, all that we are sharing is in Christ Jesus. We are not outside of Christ. Is there anybody who is outside of Christ? We can get you born again so you can come into Christ. But all we are referring to is in Christ Jesus. Okay, a scripture like this. If a child of God chances upon it, there are two ways by which we can apply it. The one who is still an infant who hasn't understood because when I was a child I spoke as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child who hasn't understood the dynamics of the works of God and how some promises in fact not some I'm wrong how all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus if you are still in the pews who doesn't understand these things and who cannot think in this direction and therefore cannot talk in the right direction what you will do with this scripture is that Father, your word tells me in Psalm 84 verse 11 that you will give grace and glory Father, as I'm embarking on this mission give me grace give me grace, give me glory why? because the word says so, is that not so? and I'm telling you, when you are in the pews and a child, God will attend to you because you don't know your rights and privileges yet. But at a point in time, the father will require that you grow up. Are you there? Because you can no longer continue to apply that method and to continue to work for you. Because it's just like the way eagles train their eaglets. There comes a time where the eaglet will be moved out of its comfort zone. The mother eaglet herself will carry the eaglets into the air and just abandon them. So while the eaglet is coming down, if it doesn't open its wings, the mother will just come and catch them up again and go up again and throw them until they will learn to open their wings and fly. That's what God will do to every one of us who at a point in time is expected to grow and refuses to grow. God will push you. One day I'll preach a message. I don't want to have preached it here before. Why God allows trouble? I've been saying it. This is one of the reasons why God allows trouble. It is not to kill you. God knows that you have a constitution greater than trouble. You are gold on the inside. So if you pass through fire, that gold will not, that fire will not kill you. It will only refine you. So he will allow you to go through the fire. He will allow you to go through the water so that you will learn to say that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, say, God, I don't know. I don't want to die. What will he say? I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's a mature son of God talking here. But a child will not know the difference. Say, Father, please protect me as I go through the valley. No, it's wrong. I am just training us. This is a prayer church. You know, international prayer. Prayer is one of the biggest backbone. So if we don't learn how to talk right, we cannot pray right. That's why I'm teaching this. We must grow up in the use of our faith and the exercise of our faith. The Lord God is a son and a shield. He will give grace and glory. If you don't take care, you will still live in that promise. Waiting for it to be fulfilled and praying that Lord give me grace. But I saw in John chapter 1 that the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by who? Came by who? John 1.17, am I right? So the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth will come by Jesus Christ. Will come by Jesus Christ. What has happened to grace and truth? It has come. So if you are in Christ Jesus, by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace, you, you are born into grace. 
So let me tell you, a mature son of God will pray differently from an infant. The infant will say, Father, give me grace. The adult will say, Father, I thank you that I have been born into grace. And once I'm in Christ Jesus, I am equipped with grace. Your grace is sufficient for Hallelujah. me. That's the difference. You see, we are talking, but we are talking differently. One is saying, Father, give me grace. It's the same word he's using. But another person knows how to rightly divide the word of truth. And knows that it has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So if I'm in Christ, then I'm not going to ask for grace. I take grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's there. You take it. You collect it. The word to obtain means to collect it. It's like a daily ration. Have you been in the barracks before where you go to the, you know, you, you go with your, 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 your pan and you're going for your daily ration. I take grace. The Lord will give grace and glory. Someone say, how about glory? Didn't he say in Romans chapter 8 that for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And whom he, 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 no, for whom he did foreknow, he predestined. And whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, what did he happen? What happened to them? He glorified. It's difficult for some people to accept that have been glorified. In the spirit, born glorified. Do you believe that? Say, I was born again glorified. We may not look like it on the outside. That is why we are waiting for the the outer the engine has changed the machine the body will change one of these days but on the inside we are glorified we look like him bible say as he is first john 4 17 so are we we're not going to be we are like him so you don't say that no give me let know the glory that you have you will not share with anybody now it has changed i know we sing that song you, you know we sing that song he will never share his glory with anybody. Almighty God, that is your name. You are the that is your name. You never share your glory with anyone. You will never share your glory with anybody. Almighty God, that is it is true in the sense of worship. He will never allow anybody to take his worship. When it comes to being glorified, I'm born glorified. Are you there? Amen. What does it mean to be glorified? It means to be dignified. It means to be equipped. Amen. Bible says in a, a Philip, uh, what's the name? Second Peter chapter 1. He says that according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Say, I'm called to glory. I'm not going to be called to glory. I'm called to glory. I'm called to glory. So he's not going to give glory again. It has been given in in Christ Jesus and that will change your language that will change your prayer pattern don't be saying father give me grace if you're an infant God will allow it but grow up grow up and let your prayer language be filled with thanksgiving than with complaints many of us think that we are right by saying that God I don't know why you are doing this to me somebody said something to me I was like hey so you had audacity to talk to God like that say God may be no you have the audacity to die come on it's because you are still an infant you don't know that what you are looking for is available it's already in you so take it and exercise yourself in it tell your neighbor grow up grow up listen this is just one example but there are many examples particularly under the i mean the old testament that have been fulfilled in christ jesus so when you're reading your old testament learn the difference between what is promised to be fulfilled and what has already been fulfilled. So that you don't go and pray. That's what I've been saying in this house. That don't pray the prayers because somebody prayed in the Old Testament. In Christ, it has changed. Until you know the difference, you will behave like an infant. And the heir, the possessor, the inheritor, as long as he is in the pews, is not different from a slave. So you still live the slave life. Every day under servitude. Every day in chains. Demons can come and sit on you. Poo-poo on you. Wee-wee on you. So I, refuse I refuse to be a dunghill. I refuse. Where demons will come and sit on you and poop on you. I refuse. Stand to your feet, child of God.
we're going to do some exercise as a sign of grow up. I said I've only dwelt on the speech aspect. There's a place for understanding. There's a place for thinking. Maybe one day we can dwell on that as well. But today, I don't know whether you have used your tongue to tie yourself down. You can lose yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Don't oppose. Maybe you might have opposed yourself. You might have cursed yourself. You might have said that, as for me, the way things are going, I don't think I'll even marry. Reverse it today. Hallelujah. Amen. Or maybe you curse your own womb. You can command that womb to be fruitful. Amen. Are you there? Amen. Or you hindered your own progress academically, materially, financially, and you stop yourself. Listen, nobody can stop you so long as you use your tongue aright. For death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it, those who are committed to it, they shall eat the fruit thereof. So what you are committed to, if you are mature, you will use your tongue aright. And what you, when you say something for the first time, you have sown a seed. Seed sowing is not only about money. The greatest seed we can ever sow is our words. And as, as we say the same things, we are, we are watering that seed. At the, at the fruit stage, nobody will take the fruit from you. I like that scripture. Is it Psalm 124? It says that when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the hidden, that's the unbelievers, that the Lord has done great things for them. Then he said, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Then the psalmist said, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Look at the next line. He said, they that sow in tears. You know, we use, this, this scripture is about prayer. Then all of a sudden, we not talk about money. No, let's not do that. There's a place for sowing money. But you're talking about sowing words in tears. They shall reap in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Where you are commanding things to be. Your words. You are programming and reprogramming your life with your words. And you mean it with tears. Said, I refuse to stagnate. Enough of this stagnation. Enough of this barrenness. Enough of this confusion. Enough. Enough. And then you use words. You sow in tears shall reap in joy. They say, he that goeth forth, bearing precious seed. Which seed? The word. Didn't Jesus give the parable and say that the seed is the word? So why did he not reduce it to money? Though money is also a seed. But it has its place. Am I condemning money? No. No, we will have money more than anything. And in fact, your money is needed to acquire land. <laughs> Can you lift your hands? Lift your voice. Say, I reprogram my life. I reprogram my life by the right use. By the right use of my tongue. Of my tongue. From today. From today. I decree and I declare. Decree and declare that my life. That my life is making progress. Is making progress. My path. My path is as the shining light. Is as the shining that light shines that shines brighter, brighter and brighter. Brighter onto the perfect day. Onto the perfect every, day. Hindrance, every hindrance. Every limitation. Every limitation. Every roadblock. Every road I, surmount, I surmount. I mount up. I with wings as an eagle I run, I do not get weary, I walk I do not faint, and no weapon fashion against me shall ever prosper and every tongue that is risen against me in judgment I condemn I silence the adversary and I take my place in glory, in honor in grace, in abundance in supernatural provision open your mouth, open your mouth